I need to start first with something that happened years ago with me. And so back when I was in high school, I'm starting off with the fact that there was a feud, a debate that came out. And now I know we live in a time where we talk about these debates. And, and when you're thinking of high schoolers debating back and forth, you're thinking, um, that's probably something political. It's something, you know, deep. It's something that is, you know, really profound. The debate that broke out through my high school was, which is better, pirates or ninjas? I know. Very, very, very deep. And this debate, I mean, it was a feud that split classes. It split friendships. Boyfriends, girlfriends broken up. I mean, the relationships might have not been that great if that's what broke them up in the first place. But this feud, and I mean, I wrote persuasive essays about why ninjas were better and things like this. All right, yeah, I'm just saying. And then I wrote an essay about how the best would be a pirate ninja. And you're like, where is this going and how does this have anything to do with Jesus? And the reason why is because I wanted to title today's message, How to Be a Pirate. That did not fly. It didn't go through, okay? Uh, instead, we're talking about where is my treasure? Where is my treasure? And we're going to be talking because we're in the middle of this generosity series. We're here, and Pastor Steve last week brought a dynamic word talking about sowing and reaping and how as Christians, what we sow is what we reap and how we, Christ, throughout the Bible and the stories, and we read about it and we see examples of it. And he gave a great illustration of that. And this week, we're continuing it as we talk about generosity and talking about where is your treasure? You see, part of this series is talking about something that a lot of times when people, we hear it is over, this, you know, people think church, oh man, they're going to talk about money. Like, there's two sides of this. People, some people think church doesn't talk about, enough about money because of the fact that we're afraid of it. And some people think churches, all they do is they want my money. And so we get to these two extremes here, but today I hopefully we can see that it's much more than that, but generosity doesn't, start, doesn't stop there. And that we can move forward. And as we look at this, we think of treasure. When I think of something you treasure, I want you right now, think of something that you treasure. All right? Now, that might be a person. It might be a relationship. It might be something that you have acquired. You see, treasure sometimes has sedimental value, right? It might be this little notebook or something. And someone else could look at that and go, that is beat up, ripped up, toss it out. I mean, what's the old saying? One man's trash is another man's? One man's trash is another man's treasure. And so treasure could be sentimental or it could be something that we've taken a long time to build up, that we've had security, that we found security in that treasure. And today, I want to give you that I think as people of Christ, our treasure should be Jesus. Now, that could sound extremely Christianese. Uh, you could be like, Pfft. Jesus, such a pastor. All right, yeah, your treasure should be Jesus. But if we truly grasp it, if we truly get the message of what Christ has done for us, if we truly fully go out into this life, then at some point we have to realize that, yes, that is my treasure. That is my most desired, my, most, uh, my thing that I value the most. You see, this is what the story is about. Jesus treasured us. His driving force and the driving force behind Jesus descending from heaven was that he wanted that personal relationship with us, with you. Make it personal. He wanted that personal relationship with you, restored. That we would, through faith, no longer be God's enemies, but we'd be his sons and his daughters, and that we would live for Christ. 
And as we read the Bible here, we see that living for Christ, one of the biggest obstacles that we face, and I think a lot of us could agree, is the desire or the going for facing, I'm sorry, the challenge of facing money or possessions. One of the biggest struggles we have. I mean, Jesus claimed this in Mark 10, 25, right? We often quote this scripture. We think about this scripture of that it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone rich to enter the kingdom of God. But does that really mean that we should all be poor? Does that mean that if you have wealth, if you've been, you know, if you've acclaimed that, then that, that means you're not going to heaven. And I don't believe that is the case. So after reading the Bible, though, we do see a direct correlation, all right, between handling money and possessions. And I want you to get today, as we talk about this, I want you to see this is one of the main things. If you walk out of here today, I want you to realize this, that our, in other words, that we will either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. I'm going to say that again, that we will either worship wealth or we will worship with our wealth. And they're two very separate things. You see, God desires our devotion, and he knows the battle of temptation and money. And that's why he gave us this verse. And that's this our main scripture today. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones, uh, I was at a conference this past week where they talked about the generation. So, I mean, all of our boomers, you might have your Bibles, hard copy with it. All of our, you know, Gen X, you probably still have a Bible. Millennials and X, you know, you know X, Y, Z. You know, all of our Zs, you guys are like, I got my Bible. It's with me 24-7. What are you talking about? All right. So pull out your Bibles. If you don't have one of those, it's with you up here on the screen. But we're turning to Matthew 6, verse 19. It says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We're going to stop right there for now. You see, this scripture here comes right after a very, you know, this comes in Matthew 6. In Matthew 5, if you're familiar with it, is this section called the Beatitudes, right? You know, this Beatitudes section. And we see Jesus here talking on the sermon. And he goes through all these different teachings about how we should live as Christians. And he talks about, blessed are the poor, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who are hungry and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Now, this list continues. And throughout chapter 5, he continues to talk to the people who are there and saying, this is how you should live. Giving us the tips, giving us the directions. And it continues on. And at that point, a lot of these things were countercultural. But then it gets to chapter 6 here. And after this, he gives six warnings Six warnings to the believers. So he just said, hey, this is how you do it. But guess what? Here, now, let's talk about what's going to mess you up. Let's talk about now what I told you what you should do. These are the things I'm going to warn you about that are going to try and take you away. We're going to try and steal you from those messages and the ability to live that life I just told you to live. And there in chapter 6, the first warning he gives us is the warning I just read you. He talks about the warning of putting your trust into your possessions. Where is your treasure? And at that point, he breaks it down into talking about what are your earthly treasures, your treasures in heaven, and treasuring him. So let's answer that question. What are treasures on earth? 
Now, in general, yes, many of the times, I mean, you probably have already have something in your mind right now. When you think of treasures on earth, you're thinking, all right, we're talking about money. We're talking about, you know, possessions, cars, clothes, all the kind of things that we can touch. We're talking about online banking, 401ks, Bitcoin, all those different things. But before you jump to the wrong conclusions, all right, Jesus didn't say you couldn't own a cell phone. Jesus did not tell you you can't buy a computer, you can't purchase a home, you don't drive a car, that you can't buy for someone that you should really smell bad because if you smell bad, blessed are the ones that smell bad. Okay, he didn't say that. That wasn't in the Beatitudes, all right? Please, middle school students. All right, so um, you can't, he didn't say that you can't save money, that you can't invest, that you can't have more than one pair of shorts, one pair of jeans. That's not what we're talking about here. Jesus said, don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. And another way to say is he's saying, stop focusing on it. Stop focusing on that. Because when you're laying something, you're actively doing it, that's where your focus is at. He says, stop focusing on accumulating and setting your heart on pursuing those treasures. But instead, he says, focus on laying up treasures in heaven. Focus, shift it from what? Because all these things I just told you that you need to live, you know, to be meek, to be poor, all those things right there. If you're going to do that, what's going to steal your focus is where you're going to go. And living in this world, money and possessions will do that. And again, we think of that as the big first thing, and it is. You see, Jesus encouraged his followers to sell his possessions and give to the needy. In Luke 12, it's on the screen here. It says, do not be afraid, little flock, for your father was pleased to give you the kingdom. But so sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that you will not wear out, but a treasure in heaven that will not fall, fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. So he does encourage them to give it away. But he also, then he says this, Jesus asked people to give to others who can't repay them. Because how do we know sometimes that's the hardest part? They're like, oh, I'm free to give it to you, but now you owe me. Now you owe me. And he says this in Luke 14. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. You see, here in these two examples, both of them ended with him saying, hey, you're going to do this, but you might not see the reward. It's going to come later. It's going to come at what he called here the resurrection of the righteous, or you'll see it later and we're in treasure in heaven where he cannot be beaten by moths. You see, giving up of our treasure goes beyond, do I give my, girl, my daughter, my son, that quarter to put into the offering? It goes beyond just the normal, do I just do this because I feel like I'm supposed to? You see, God says that it does include giving to our local church. It does giving to nonprofits. It's giving to those in need. And let's just call it out, the elephant in the room here, all right? Hopefully I'm okay with this. You guys still okay? You guys squirming yet? All right, I am. Um, no, just kidding. No. <laughs> to the people who are generous here, it's... It's not about obligation, but let me just say something. Our tithe is our obligation. Our tithe is our obligation. The money is given first to God. It's given first to God, and it's not the, oh, I know I 10%, I'm going to give it if I have it there at the end. This is the first thing, and it's also one of the hardest things. 
But I have to tell you, it's one of the most rewarding things. You see, let's get something straight. God does not need your money. God does not need your money. We serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the man, the king who owns the cattle on a thousand hills, which is just a really old way of saying that my dad, my father, Abba Father in heaven is filthy rich and he doesn't need what you got. All right? So it's not that if you don't give your tithe, then guess what? Oh man, that's not going to happen. Jesus is going to be going up there. You know what? We didn't meet quota this month. What are we going to do? Cut budgets. That person has to go. All right? It doesn't work like that. He doesn't need your money. We give tithes. We give of that, not for his, but for our sake. Because giving our glory, I mean, our money to God gives him glory. We give our money because it keeps us focused. It keeps us in his hands, and it restores the right mindset of whose resources we have. It's not because he needs it. It's because you need it. It's because you need it. But so often we see this, that we can only give when it's comfortable or when it's convenient for us to give. So if we're talking about generosity, if we're talking about this, we often find ourselves in that spot that I'm only going to give it. You know what? I got a little extra this month, so I'm going to give it. Or you know what? I, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I can't really do that right now because it, it, I mean, that would make me feel uncomfortable. That puts me in what a risky position. You see, but we are a church that believes. What are our core tenets? Is radical generosity. I want you guys all to say that. Radical generosity. Because we could just say it's generosity, but there's a difference between just generosity and radical generosity. You see, there's something that's, there's nothing radical about just begrudgingly giving every week or giving here and there saying, you know what? Here they go, asking for money. I guess I'll give it right now. You know, don't come back. I just gave, all right? Don't come back and ask for more, all right? Checking the box. You see, checking the box keeps us in a safe zone. It keeps us in a zone, our comfort. But God has called us. Let us just realize something today. God has called you to not live a safe life. God has called you to live something that is radical, something that is greater than what you could imagine. He is asking you to step out of your comfort zone, to step out of maybe what you know, what you feel is safe, and say, trust me. Give it to me. Trust me. And at times, naturally, as humans, we're going to feel like we're losing control here. But he's called us to that. The moment you've all been waiting for. You see, a lot of times in our life, I feel like this is the conversation we're having today. Treasures on earth or treasures in heaven. And we think of it as a scale or a balance. And seesaw, everyone pretty much knows how the seesaw works, right? You go on one side, it goes up. You go on the other side, it goes up. We all good with that? Fantastic. All right, so... Thank you for helping today. He's a great participant. All right. And so with the seesaw here, many times we think, you know what? I'm going to give my treasure. If we have it, and let's say this is the side here of on earth. And we put all of our focus in that. We, you know what? We get the money. We get the great job. We have the cars. And all that is there. Well, where are we? We're down. Right? How many times have you guys felt like you have strived so hard yet you're not happy? How many of us know people who have, have the wealth, have what it is, but yet they still feel down? 
And then there's some people in the church who think if it's a scale thing where, you know, if I balance it out, you know, I'm going to try and, all right, I'm not going to do this. I'd fall and break my neck. All right. But I'm going to try and balance it out here. I'm going to put some over here, but if I can just balance it quite right, yeah, give some to, oh, oh, I'm too much there. Give some to God. I hope I have some extra. Let's give it to God. And it doesn't work that way. You see, let's continue here in verse in chapter 6 where it says Matthew. So I just read about the treasure in heaven. But it says this, that the eye is the lamp of the body. And if your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light with you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I'm telling you right now, you'll never find the balance. You'll never find the balance. If you're trying to hold on to the trust you have over here and not giving it all to God, you're not going to find it. But if we think of this analogy as this, this is your side here, and this is God's side. And you say, you know what, God, I'm giving it all to you. I'm giving it all to you. And you put it all in his pockets. You say, this is yours. I'm going to serve you with my wealth. I'm going to give it to you. He lifts you up. When you give it all to him and you give to him, he raises you up. You'll find more fulfillment. You find more joy. You find that he sustains you. You can't serve both. You can't serve both. And I'll be honest, in this section, I've always read this. And if you've read this before, I've always felt like, why in the world is there like that, that in-between part? The eye is the lamp and things. It goes back to focus. What do you focus with? You focus with your eyes. You focus on it. And if you are focusing on good, then your whole body is good. But if you're focusing on bad. So if you're focusing on your side, it just determines everything. You see, we are talking today about sacrificial giving. And sacrificial giving is not simply giving your best. It's giving beyond your best. Sacrificial giving is not giving your best. It's giving beyond your best. Abraham gave sacrificially. His best, Abraham's best, would have been the best sheep in his flock. Would have been all the sheep in his flock. But giving his son, giving what God called and said, giving his son, that was beyond his best. Jesus God sending Jesus. His best would have created some kind of plan, some other way. But giving Jesus his son to go and die for the sins of many, that was his best. The woman coming with tears in her eyes in the alabaster jar. We sung about it today. Coming with the alabaster jar. Giving her best would have been to just, you know, I could work for you. I can come follow you. I can try and support you. No, but giving her beyond her best was, you know, I'm going to give it all. I'm going to radically give. I'm going to sacrificially give. I'm going to break it. And in tears in her eyes, she says, I just want to pour it on the feet of Jesus. And at times when we give radically and we give in this generosity, it doesn't make sense to others. The disciples sitting there going, what are you doing? And Jesus goes, no, 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 no. This is good. This is beyond best that she's giving me. You see, it's hard to give sacrificially, but it taps into one word, trust. It taps into one word, trust. You see, I could have changed this where we said, where is your treasure? Really, the question is equivalent to this. Where is your trust? 
That's really the question we're coming down to, is it not? If we replace the words here in the Bible, and I, I don't want to do that. I want to replace God's word here. But you think about it. He's basically asking, if you lay your trust in earthly things, you're going to fail. But if you lay your trust where I have it, in heavenly things, where things cannot affect it, where you cannot be robbed, you cannot be stolen. You see, he says, then that's where your account builds. That's your security. Because we have natural enemies here. A few months ago, back during the school year and everything, I came home one day and I got into the car and our car was all trashed. And I looked at Rachel, my wife, and I was like, why, what's all this? Were you looking for something? She's like, no, I thought you were. And it was at that moment that we realized that the night before our vehicles had been broken into, that they had ripped everything out. And I, I thought someone in a hurry had, was looking for something, but no, they had ripped stuff out. And they, luckily they didn't take much. We didn't have much valuable things in it, but we had some gift cards and change and sunglasses. So very minimal things. That's not the point here. But the point is when someone did that in an instant, our trust, our security was gone. Can I tell you, I lock my car every night now, okay? I got a little lax with it there. But in life, cannot not be the case? How many times have we seen we've put trust into the things of this world, and then in an instant, we find ourselves uneven. We find ourselves bouncing back and forth, trying to scramble because we, where we put our trust, where we put our security is no longer secure. You see, when we hold on to these things, we have to realize that they will not last forever. You could buy the nicest piece of furniture. You could buy the nicest house. You could have the nicest car. You could have the biggest 401k. But guess what? If you put your trust in that, someday you're not going to outlive that. We're not forever. And so the fact is that one way or another, we don't take it with us. So even if they last 100 years, there's going to be separation. And placing our trust in that is a mistake. So every day we make decisions. Every day you and I make decisions on how we're going to show our trust and dependence and our security, whether in earthly treasures or heavenly treasures. You see, it's more than money, though, too. You see, I talked a lot about money because that is one of the biggest things there that we find that we can tangibly see and see how we put our trust in it. But it's not just that because some of us, there's more to laying up treasures in heaven than giving money and possessions. And the Bible refers to some of these ways here. And can we can store up rewards and treasures in these things by being faithful, enduring persecution, about loving your enemies, praying in secret, serving the Lord and his people, these are some ways that in the Bible and there's scriptures that go along with these saying that these are ways that we can store up treasures in heaven. So he's saying it's not just giving and the money, but there's also some tangible ways that we can be faithful and loving others, that we're praying that we're serving people. You see, the bottom line is this, that real wealth is obtained by investing in heaven. And wealth and value is often in people. You're eternally rewarded when you, number one, give when we pray and we fast in private, when we share the gospel, when we forgive someone. A few months ago, we had that sermon series about forgiveness, people coming and telling us how they feel like burdens have been taken off, weights have been taken off because they have been forgiven or they forgave someone. You see, when it comes to rewards, though, the greatest reward that every follower, that every single one of us, if we truly know Jesus Christ, will be this, that we will see God face to face one day. 
Going back to the Beatitudes there, Matthew 5, 8 says this, that blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. So if you desire to follow Christ, if you desire that and you live your life because of what he can do for you, or do you change your motivation a little bit? You stop it right there and you say, you know what, wait, wait, am I living my life for what he can do for me? Or am I beginning to live my life because of what he's already done for me? Am I living my life because I know I can be with him one day? And you know what? And I want as many people to go with me. The question is, do we treasure Jesus? You see, now before you start rolling up your sleeves and saying, all right, where's my checkbook? Okay, like that. I'm just, how do we deposit into that eternal ledger? You see, the passage here, we, he never heard Jesus say, now go get to work. Go get it done. But he did say, for where your treasure is, there your heart is also. There your heart is also. This is why Jesus connected the command with stop laying up earthly things and begin to treasure up heavens. For this very specific, what we value is reflected in the way we live. What we value is reflected in the way we live. And you've heard that said many different ways. Sometimes people say, show me your checkbook and I'll show you what you value. Show me your, you know, check, because that's where we put our money. We, we understand the value in that. But just not just the money, but your entire, where you spend your time, where you are willing to sacrifice your time, where you're willing to sacrifice your resources, your energy will show you what you value. You see, when the world is your desire, we desire, we focus it, we go after that. And we start building that up. A great example of this here, that one of the best examples I could think of was this example of a movie, a classic movie. How many of you have ever heard of the movie Schindler's List? It's a classic. Many people have ever have heard of it and stuff. And in that movie, as many of us know, that there was this businessman named Oscar Schindler, all right? He arrives in Krakow in 1939, ready to make his fortune from World War II, which has just started. So after joining the Nazi party primarily for political uh, expediency and that he could benefit from it, he staffs his factory with Jewish workers that are pragmatic for different pragmatic reasons. They're dealing with that. Now, when the SS begins exterminating the Jews in Krakow ghetto, Schindler arranges to have his workers protected to keep his factory in operation. But he soon realizes that doing so, he's also saving innocent lives. So he would go through this process of purchasing or buying or going through and getting more Jewish workers when it started out to be as a great business deal, ending as that he was saving lives. So I want to show this clip here from the end of the movie that just demonstrates this, and we'll tie this in here together. So just watch this for a smoking here. It's Hebrew from the Talmud. It says whoever saves one life saves the world entire.
Here he's thinking about, if I would have just given this, if I would have just given this, I could have gotten one more person. I could have gotten 10 more people for this. You see, we're called to live a generous life. Not just with money, but with time, with energy. So that someday we don't get to the end of our life and have a similar reaction. We get to heaven and we look at God and go, I could have gotten one more. I could have told one more person about you. I could have showed one more person just your love if I would have just, but I, I, I didn't feel that security. I didn't this. I was holding on to this, but I could have, Christ, I could have done so much more for you. But the question is today, are we going to live that generous life so that we don't have that regret, so we don't have that sense of I could have done more. I just want to tell people about Jesus. I want them to know what his love is at any cost. You see, we have a real life example of this this week. This past week, I got the privilege to sit and attend a funeral of a longtime standing member of this church, Bob Loomis. You see, I can't tell you how many times over and over again, Bob, if many of you know him, was described as generous in giving. Family members, friends, time and time came up here and talked about his generosity, not just financially, but also with time and love. As they cried and as they mourned for this earthly time, but knowing that he was in heaven, one of the things that stuck out to me the most was actually something that was said where Bob would drive his grandkids to school every morning. On inclement weather days, it was very, very common. He would, I, just, I would almost venture to say always offer rides to other kids as they were walking to get them out of the weather and drive them. He would take 
out of what was not his comfort, what was not, not secure, and offer kids, I'll get you to school, I'll take you. His friends, his, his grandkids knew this to be the case and have learned that from him. But something was said that struck a chord inside of me. And that was that this year when those kids go to school and it rains, there's not going to be a bob for them. So this is our challenge today. Don't let that be true. Because there are all of us in this room here who can see a need and can give of our time, our money, our resources, our energy, and treasure up in heaven and say, you know what? You are worth it. You were worth it to Jesus. You were worth it to Christ. You were worth it to me. So ask yourself today, where are you treasuring? Where is your treasure? Is it stored up in earth or is it stored up in heaven? Are you willing to give sacrificially and generously? I'm going to pray. God, we thank you so much today for your word and for what you are speaking to us. I pray, God, that out of today, this core value of radical generosity would be lived out. That each and every one of us, God, would function in a way where we can say, God, I have given you my all. That what I'm giving, God, it's not even mine to give. It's just that I can give as a good steward of what you've given me. I pray, God, that today that we would realize that each and every one of us is a person of influence, that we can influence one person's life, maybe by buying their lunch, maybe by giving them a ride, maybe by stepping out when no one else would talk to them and give them the time of day, God, but we would look for them and reach out to them. God, I pray that today that we would serve that, God, we would serve in our local church, that we would serve in our community, that even when we say, I don't have the time for that, that, God, we would say, you know what? I will give sacrificially out of my comfort zone, out of my safety zone, and that, God, we would see your kingdom come here in a mighty and powerful way because we are treasuring and storing up in heaven. God, Adjust our focus and let us love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. We love you. Go and live that out this week as you go forward. Find someone to bless and to love.